The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Who would you guess was the greatest king in the Bible? Guess who was the greatest king in the Bible? David? David was the most famous, of course. But who did the word of God call the greatest king in the Bible? Interestingly, not David. Was it Solomon? Solomon was the wisest, obviously, and arguably the wealthiest. But who does the Bible say was the greatest king in the Bible? Was it Saul? Saul was the first king, but Saul was not labeled the greatest king in the Bible. There's a guy called, <laughs> you won't believe it, called Ezekiah. Ezekiah was referred to by the word of God as the greatest king in the Bible. 2 Kings 18, 2 Kings 18 from verse 2 to 7 says, Ezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. He became king at 25 and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, in the Lord's sight. Ezekiah trusted in the Lord. There was never a king like him. <laughs> he was the greatest. There was never a king like him in the land of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. He carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him and Ezekiah was successful in everything he did. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you will be successful in everything that you do. If you fast forward in Isaiah and you will see in Ezekiah's life somewhere he fell, he fell ill. Ezekiah was ill. And this is going to reveal something to us about what we're talking about today. And Isaiah came with a word from the Lord. This is 1 to 5 of Isaiah 38. It says, later, Ezekiah got sick. He was about to die. The prophet Isaiah said, prepare your affairs, your family. This is it, Ezekiah. You are going to die. That's the number one prophet in the land. Said to Ezekiah, time up. You're going to die. You are not going to get well. Ezekiah turned away from Isaiah and facing the war, he prayed to God. God, please, I beg you, remember how I have lived my life. I have lived faithfully in your presence, lived out of a heart that was totally yours. You've seen how I have lived and the good that I have done. <laughs> then God said, I have heard your prayers and I have seen your tears. Here's what I will do. I will add 15 more years to your life. God has heard your prayers. God has seen your tears. Now, some of us we have been praying. We've, we, we, we've been tearing up. We are going through a storm. I mean, it's as if your whole world's crumbling. Listen, God has heard your prayer and God has seen your tears and God has 
answered your prayers. God will do exceedingly more than you even ask or imagine in the mighty name of, of Jesus. So the question is this, if God asked you to give him reasons why he should extend your life, what would be your reason? Think about it. Think about it. God shows up to you and says, why should you live tomorrow? Why should you, why should you see tomorrow? Why should you, why should you have 15 more years? Why should you have 30 more years? You may want a hundred more years. Why, why should I keep your life? Think about that first. If God says to you, why should I keep your life? Second question, for instance, if God came and reviews your last 15 years of your life, last 15 years of your life, what would he say? Oh, if he reviews the last decade of your life, what would he say? From 2010 to 2020, what would he say? Now, regardless of what the answer to question two is, for some of us, if we've just been loafing around, some of us been faffing around, some of us, we don't even desire the things of God. But regardless of what it has been, now, you have a chance, a chance of a lifetime. The question is this, regardless of what the past 15 years have been or the past 10 years have been, are you serious about using the rest of your life, the rest of your time, the rest of your energy, the rest of your resources on earth to serve this God? Are you serious about using the rest of your resources to serve the living God that created you? Because the answer to question three will actually determine both the duration and the donation of your life. So the answer to that, are you ready to commit the rest of your life? Okay, regardless of what has happened, regardless of what has gone down, am I ready? Are you ready to commit the rest of your life to this God? To serve him with all your might, with all your strength. That will determine the duration and the donation of your life. Think about it. Are you ready? I am ready to serve God for the rest of my life. With all my strength, with all my might, with all my resources. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the question. So, if in case you came in here, you're wondering, and you're saying in your heart, Pastor, what does God want me to do for the rest of my life? Okay, yes, I want to serve him for the rest of my life. I want to be useful for heaven. I want to be useful for the kingdom. What can I do? The COVID-19 situation has shown us how frail and fragile life is. We see people that have just become statistics. 100,000 gone. 200,000 gone. A million gone. But you still have life. And the question to you this morning is, are you going to serve God for the rest of your life? Regardless of what has happened to you, regardless of what you're going through in life, regardless of what I'm going through, I've made up my mind that for the rest of my life, I will serve God with all my strength, with all my might, with all my resources, with everything within me. Are you going to do the same? Are you? And if your answer is yes, congratulations. And you're wondering, okay, pastor, so what do I do now? I'll show you. Five areas that you need to focus on for the rest of your life and, 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 and have a significant life, both here on earth and in heaven. You have a significant life. Are you ready for the five? You know, if you've done the journey, you probably have heard this before. But you see, we have to bring it back because... It is what God wants us to 
review and refocus on. What are those five areas? Number one, God wants me to center my life around him. God wants to be the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it's always been, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. He wants to be the center of it all. The focal point, the focus of your attention. Jesus wants to be the center of your life. So what do I need to focus my life on for the rest of my life? Make God the center of your life. And this is so powerful. Matthew 22 verse 37. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. It says, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This first focus is simply called worship. It's simply called worship. Erroneously, many times we think worship is when we sing songs to God. Singing song is a part, just a minute part of worship. There's a whole aspect of worship that has nothing to do with song. Every time Jesus is at the center of your life, that's worship. When we sing songs, we are deliberately refocusing and recalibrating our lives. Yes. And that is worship also. So worship is simply enjoying God's love and loving him back. Worship is allowing God to love you and you loving him back. Now, here's the truth. You are going to center your life around something. The question is, what is it going to be? You are going to, your life is going to be centered around something. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? Your life is going to be centered around something. So what's it going to be? Is it going to be your, your job? It's going to be your job, really? Your, your life is going to be centered around your job? It's going to be your, it's going to be money? Your life is going to be centered around money? Really? Is it going to be your children? Your life is going to be centered around your children? Really? What's your life going to be centered around? For some people, they want to be famous. Fame? Really? That's what your life is going to be centered around? Listen, your life is going to be centered around something, whether you are deliberate or not. For some people, it's what people say or what people don't say. Your life is going to be centered around something, whether you like it or not. But guess what? Be deliberate today and decide that your life is going to be centered around God. Say, my life will be centered around God and, and God alone. If your life is not centered around God, whatever it is, no matter how legitimate it is, that thing has become an idol. If your life is not centered around God, whatever your life is centered around has become what? An idol. Has become an idol. Now, pastor, I'm not an idol worshiper. So how do I know that my life is centered around something that is not God? I'll give you a simple test. How to know when your life is centered around something that is not God. There's only one word that defines that. And that word is worry. When you begin to worry, regardless of what it is, life is filled with challenges. We are going through trials. We are going through 
pain, sometimes excruciating pain. Right, right. But the question is, is your life going to be centered around the pain or is your life going to be centered around your God? If you discover that you are beginning to get worried, that is an indication that your life is beginning to center around something other than God. So, pastor, then if my life is centered around God, how do I know? Simple. You have peace. You can be going through the storms. You can, the whole world may quake. The earth may be shaking. But you have peace. You can have peace in the pain. You can have peace in the storm. You have peace. You just have peace. Worship. Refocus your life. Refocus yourself around God. When it's all said and done, there's only one thing that is important. Your life around God, your maker. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says to us that a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, everything will come together for good in your life in the name of Jesus, will come and settle down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry. Can you see that? Christ displaces worry. Is it that Christ is on the throne or worry is on the throne? Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's a beautiful thing when, when you, even though you are filled with, with challenges or your life is filled with challenges rather, and you feel that you want to worry and you come to God and you make God the center of your life. It's a beautiful thing when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So worship is the antidote. To worry. It was a worship is the antidote to worry. And it's a choice. You choose to worship. So what's going to be the center of your life for the rest of your life? Int, 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 int. Nothing else. Nothing else is strong enough to hold your life together. Nothing else. Only God. Only God. Nothing else is strong enough to hold your life together. So the first thing, God wants me to center my life around him. And he wants to be the center of my life. The second thing is God wants me to learn to love his family. There are 56 one another's in the Bible. Love one another, comfort one another, cherish one another, um, defer to one another, and all that stuff. 56 of them. You can't do them by yourself. You need to be engaged in church. You need to be engaged in church. Even virtual church, you need to be engaged. Join a group. Join a live group, join a small group, join an online group. It is so important. In Hebrews 10, 25, the word of God says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. God wants us to form a habit. When you have a habit of meeting together, in other words, you do it instinctively. It's, 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 it's a habit. Instead, let us encourage one another. So the second focus is called fellowship. So the first focus is worship. The second is fellowship. In Acts 2, um, 41 to 42, Acts 2, 41 to 42, then 46 says, those who believed, now listen to the progression, they were baptized and added to the church, fellowship. They joined with the other believers, committing and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They worshipped together regularly at the temple and met in small groups. So you see that order. God 
wants me to believe in Jesus, God wants you to believe in Jesus, first and foremost, then to be baptized, you see that? Then to join a church family, that's the natural progression. Then to come to regular worship, like we are having right now. Then to connect to a small group, like fellowship. It's in the Bible. It's right there in the Bible. So the first thing I need to focus my life on is Jesus at the center. The second thing is learning to love God's people. The third thing that God wants me to focus my life on is God wants me to cultivate spiritual maturity. God, you see, it's, it's, it's big. God doesn't just want you to be saved and remain a baby for the rest of your life. Hebrews 6 1 says, Let us go on and become mature. Let us go on and become mature in our understanding as strong Christians ought. So the third purpose is called discipleship. Discipleship, because the oh, pastor has a big word. What's a disciple? A disciple is simply a student. That's that's what it means, a student. God wants us to be a student, a student of his word. It, it means to be a learner. God wants us to be open to learning and growing. Hebrews 5, 12 says, By now you should be teachers. Instead, you still need someone to teach you. So there's a time that God will expect certain fruit from your life. There's a time that God will expect, by now you should be able to tackle this. So you can grow old without growing up. There are a lot of people, they've grown old, but they've not grown up. You can grow old without growing up. They are saved, but they are shallow. God wants you to, as you grow old, physically and in, and in Christ, God wants you to grow up. He wants you to, to grow up. And to grow up, you have to be a learner, life learner. You have to be a disciple. The journey is online. You can register for it. Yes, we have journey classes that are going to start online. NCR, New Creation Reality. You can register for New Creation Reality. It's going to start online. We have GFH Academy running even right now. Growth comes by learning. So don't just grow old, grow up. Have you seen such people? Some people just grow old, they don't grow up. They have bia bia. <laughs> They have whatever. Their body is fully developed. They have, you know, but some people have white hair, but they are not grown up. God wants us not only to grow old, but to grow up. So say to your neighbor if you have one, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. <laughs> so the question to you is that in which area of your spiritual life do you need to grow most this year? Which area? For some of you, it's faith. By trusting God with your life and doing, obeying God instantly, regardless of how it, how it sounds. You, so for some of you, you're headed in one direction. God is speaking to you, making you talk. For some of us, it is Bible study. For, for, the other, for some of us, it's to tell somebody about Jesus. What area does God want you to grow this year? Tackle it. Number four focus of my life is God wants me to contribute something back. God actually wants me not only to center my life around him and fellowship and grow discipleship. God wants me to contribute something back. 
God wants me to give back. First Peter 4 10 says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Be sure to use them to do what? To help each other. That is huge. That is big. You will notice that it doesn't say, be sure to use them to make a lot of money. God didn't say that. God didn't say that. Ministry and service is about helping people, not about fleecing people. It's about helping people, not about making money. God wants you and I to use our spiritual gifts to help others. You see, when it comes to spiritual gifts, I know that there are marketplace gifts that you can use to make money. <laughs> if you are a software programmer, if you are, you know, an engineer, you know, you are a consultant, those are marketplace gifts and it's fine. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, God is saying that these special abilities, we should make sure that we use it to help others, not to take advantage of others, not to fleece people, not to make a lot of money. I mean, that's, that, that can never be the objective. So the fourth focus of your life is ministry. Is ministry. Is ministry. First focus, worship. Second focus, fellowship. Third focus, discipleship. Fourth focus, ministry. Ministry just simply means service. That's all it means, service. So God wants me to serve. God wants me to serve people. We are here because of you. We are here because of God's people. Those of us that are pastors, we are here simply because of God's people. How do you serve a God who is invisible? Imagine, how do you serve God? Oh, I want to serve God. I love God. I want to serve God. I want to serve God for love and life. How do you serve God who is invisible? We serve God by serving people. No, God, the word of God says, how can you love a God you do not see when you don't love a man that you can see? How? 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 It's not possible. Absolutely impossible. So we serve God, how? By serving other people. So when I serve you, I'm serving God because I'm serving you. When I wash your feet, I'm serving God because I'm serving you. When I love you, I'm loving God because that's how it is. And that's how it works. So you are a minister. You, yes, you, you, you. You're a minister. You're a minister of the gospel. Yeah, I, I, I read one statistic that's very alarming. And, 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 it's, and it says that half of all New York men, the half, that's 50%, will die within two years of their retirement. Half of all New York men dies within two years of retirement. Why? Why did they die? Because we were made to make a contribution. We were not made to sit down and, you know, sit down on a big fat pay and just, you know, drink pita colada, buy an island in the Caribbean, you know, go there and, you know, just, you know, chop life. <laughs> that is the recipe for death. We were made to serve. We were made to contribute. We were made for contribution. We were made for meaning. And we are made for significance. There's no significance without contribution. There's no meaning without contribution. God has made you 
so that you can contribute something back. Don't you just love the psalmist? In Psalm 116, it says in verse 12, it says, what can I give back? I mean, this is psalmist. What can I give back to God for the blessings he poured out on me? The lie a lot of us buy is that, oh, I don't have enough. If I have enough, I will give back to God. <laughs> Think. I'm not talking about orphans. I'm talking about giving your life for service. I'm talking about making a difference in another person's life. Of course, that includes giving, but it's far more than that. It's far more than that. It's far, 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 far more than that. So we see that significance doesn't come from status. Significance does not come from salary. Significance does not come from success. I want the status. Oh, I want this. I want to achieve this status. Oh, I want to achieve this level of salary. Oh, I want to achieve this level of success. Significance comes from service. Significance only comes from service. Significance doesn't come from salary, doesn't come from status, doesn't come from success, only comes from serving. Do you feel your life doesn't have a meaning? Check your, your contribution. Check your contribution. Number five is this, that God wants me to tell others about his love. God wants me, as flawed as I am, God wants me, as imperfect as I am, to tell other people about his love. Amazing, 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 amazing. He wants me to tell other people about his love. Now, now, look at this way. There are two things that you can't do in heaven. Two things that you can't do in heaven. Do you know what they are? Number one is sin. You can't sin in heaven. <laughs> you can't sin in heaven. No, you can't. Number two is evangelize. You can't evangelize in heaven. You, there's no evangelism in heaven. So you cannot sin in heaven. You cannot evangelize in heaven. So those two things are, you can do them on earth, but you can't do them in heaven. Now, my question is for you is that, which of those two do you think God has left you on earth to do? You cannot sin in heaven. You cannot evangelize in heaven. You can only evangelize on earth. You can only sin on earth. So which of those two has God left you on earth to do? Sin? No. Evangelize? Yes. Yes. Boom. <laughs> so you see, you see that telling other people about God's love is big. It's central. In 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, it says, through Christ, God has made peace between us and himself and he gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we have with him so we have been sent to speak for christ and this is the fifth focus it's called witness we have been sent to witness for christ we have been sent to speak for christ a witness doesn't try to persuade and to convince. No, a witness just says what they have seen or what they have heard or what they have experienced. It, it, it's a witness just talks about its personal experience. So many times we think, oh, I need to, I need to be able to conjure up God. I need to be able to explain out God. No, no, just say what God has done for you. 
That is it. That is what it is to be a witness. God say, just say, whereas I was blind, now I can see. This is who Femi was. This is who Femi is. It's not perfect, but I'm not where I ought to be. But I thank God, I'm not where I used to be. And that is huge. What took me from where I used to be to where I am now? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And he can do the same thing for you. Basically, that is what it is to, to witness. To witness. If you had the cure for COVID-19 and you keep it to yourself, that would be criminal. If I had a cure for COVID-19, assuming I have the cure for COVID-19 and I keep it to myself, that will be criminal. In fact, it is crime against humanity. Think about it. Anyone that has the cure of COVID and is putting it under his pillow, the person is the murderer. It's, it's, it's pure crime. But guess what? We have something more important than the cure of COVID-19. We have the cure of eternal damnation. We have the cure for hell. We have the cure for destruction. And his name is what? His name is who? Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So to keep him to ourselves. It's a crime. We have something far more important than that. We have Jesus. And what does he do? Past forgiving. Purpose for living. Home in heaven. Jesus is alive. So that's what he gives us. Past forgiving. Purpose for living. Home in heaven. Jesus is alive. So we see that we cannot keep it to ourselves. 2 Corinthians 6 1 says to us, 2 Corinthians 6 1, in our work together with God, we beg those of you who have received God's grace not to let it be wasted. There are many people you've received God's grace. Don't let it be wasted. Don't let God's grace be wasted. Don't let God's grace be wasted. Let me ask you a question. Who do you know? That doesn't know Jesus. Think about it. Just one person. I know you may know two, three, four, four. Think of one person. Who's what's the first person that jumps out at you that you know that doesn't know Jesus? Think of what that person. Take a second. Think of that person. My next question to you is: Who do you think is responsible for that person? Who do you think is responsible for that person? You are responsible for that person. So we see that. What God wants us to do with the rest of our lives, what God wants me to do with the rest of my life, is number one, God wants me to center my life around Him. He wants to be the center of my life, and that's worship. Secondly, God wants me to learn to love His family, that is fellowship. Thirdly, God wants me to cultivate spiritual maturity, that is discipleship. God wants me to contribute something back, that's ministry. And God wants me to tell others about his love. That's, that's what? Witnessing. So my question is, what's going to be the center of your life for the rest of your life? What is it? COVID-19 or no COVID-19? The pressure you're feeling or the lack of the pressure you're feeling? What is going to be the center of your life what's going to be center of your life going forward again nothing else is strong enough to hold you together only god 
only God. So I want to pray with you if you are here. I say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to submit my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to God. I want him to take hold of my life. What do I need to do? Simple. You put up your hand and you put it down back. When do I do that? When I count three. I'm going to count one, two, three. When you hear three, you put up that hand. Wherever you are, you even in the toilet. I'll put it down back. That is you. One, two, three. Put up that hand by faith. Once you put it up, put it down back and say to the Lord, I surrender to you today by faith. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I want to pray with you. Fear. Surrender to Jesus. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrounded to you. We ask that you breathe upon them, change their lives. Draw them, make them your own, and let your name be glorified. Father, we pray for everyone that has heard your word, Lord. We want to serve you for the rest of your, our lives. Thank you for making it possible. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.